All right, buddy. Welcome back to another episode of the Business of Fitness Podcast. I'm Jason Klepa. I'm uh, here with the coach extraordinaire and world-renowned uh, uh, personality, Mr. MDV. Uh, new intro every time. New intro every time. So guys, we have a really cool um, question that I get almost daily. I get the question of, how do I become a better coach? And I think the fact that you're asking the question is super inspiring because it means you care enough to get better at your craft. Yeah. But people are concerned about, hey, I'm I live in the middle of Idaho somewhere. I don't, you know, what can I do to become a better coach? Yeah. And what we want to do today is just address, you know, five five things that we believe are valuable towards your progression as a coach. Mm-hmm. And I think over the years, you and I were talking about it a little bit. So I started coaching in 2006, and I was really blessed at the time to um, get taken underneath um, a friend of mine, Austin Begeeming. Uh, he he really took me under his wing and taught me so much. We learned yeah. together, but he taught me a lot. And then after that, I got introduced to you know started working with HQ, and and I was surrounded by phenomenal coaches all the time, traveling the country, learning from these other people. And not only was I, you know, looking back on it, I think not only was I developing my skill as a public speaker, but I was also raising my own bar by being around people who are trying to raise their own bar. Yeah, definitely. I had a similar experience, you know, on the East Coast, I I found CrossFit about 2006, did my first workout. My very first day of law school, I did my first workout. And then in 2008, I started pursuing coaching, got my level one then. Uh, My journey took me from New York to Boston, where I was at CrossFit New England. I was around Ben, you know, James Hobart, Awesome Aliolo, E.C. Sinkowski, Heather Bergeron, uh, John Gilson, all these level one staff trainers. Eventually, I make my way over to Reebok, worked with Austin over there, and, you know, found myself on seminar staff for four years as well. And I, I attribute a lot to, you know, things I've been able to accomplish in coaching to other people and watching other people do their thing and and learning from them. So pretty similar experience. Yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. And so I think what we need what we need to go into today is whether you're trying to be a CrossFit Games athlete, a successful business owner, or a coach, mm-hmm. it takes this relentless pursuit of of getting better on a regular basis. And I think if you are a coach out there, you know, um a couple years ago, so I was working for HQ and at the time they had the level two was, I think was a, remember back in the day they had the old school level two where you had like coach in front of, Yeah, the, uh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. That's the level four now. Yeah. Or it was a coach's prep course, whatever it was. Yeah. I don't remember. But now I have my level four mm-hmm. because I passed the old school level two. But when the level three came out, I remember sitting there, I was a little bit nervous about it because it came out a couple of years ago and I was like, well, at the time we have successful gyms, you know, we have a hundred coaches working at the company. You know, why do I need to go take a level three? Mm-hmm. Was what I said to myself. I was like, Why? But then I said to myself, I said, if I'm going to hold our team to a standard of trying to get better, then I need to do that for myself too. And I need to get comfortable with getting a little bit uncomfortable and putting myself out there. And I might do well and I might not do well, but at least I'm trying to excel as an individual. And uh, so lo and behold, you know, took level three. Now I have my level four and it feels good because now for our team. So if you're an owner of a gym, I think it's important that if you hold value in seminars, which I'm not saying that that's the only criteria. Mm-hmm. But if you hold value there for your team, then you also need to, you know, practice what you preach. Yeah. You know, I, I think that's a really important point. The fact that you looked at these certifications and certificates and you said, Hey, I, I want to elevate myself to set a standard, not only for myself, because I, you know, I, I want to push myself to certain limits, but for the people around me, I think that's really important there. You know, there's certain baseline education that you obviously need to go out there on the floor at a, at a CrossFit affiliate. And, and we both believe the level one is an outstanding course. Yeah, I would I know say that. for any 
functional high intensity training facility, Mm -hmm. right? Whether you use the CrossFit trademark or you don't, right? Mm -hmm. That's up to you and what you want to do. I still believe regardless that the level one is a great, regardless of if you ever Mm. use the word CrossFit in anything you do, I think it's a good foundational of education. Yeah. I think my take on certifications, we'll talk about this a little bit later on is I, I actually don't care what level certification you have after your name. You know, I think that there's a lot of other things that go into being a, a world-class coach. And some of the best coaches in the world just have their level one and just go out there and practice all day long and, and refine the skills that they found in the level one. And there's some fantastic level four trainers out there, but there's shitty coaches at both end of the equation, yeah. right? Level four, level one. So at NC Fit, we have approximately, uh, we have over like 120 coaches yeah, right working now. in the organization. So we have, you know, when we speak, I think we speak from, you know, a broad audience, which I think is fair because I think if you only have two or three coaches, maybe you get certain perspective. But as you start to expand it out, I think when we're sharing this information, it comes from a place of, you know, a lot of knowledge and a lot of years. For sure. So you alluded to something. I just want to start off with this one. So the first one that you believe, and I am full heartedly is... It, well, what's the first step? What's the number one thing? If you had to say one thing to become a better coach, what would it be? You got to coach. Yeah. You got to get out there on the floor and you got to practice the skills that you learned in your level one or whatever other certificates that you hold. You actually have to bring the class or the craft, excuse me, to life on the floor. And you have to do it consistently. You can't let rust collect on your skills. You got to be out there and you got to be coaching. You got to be seeing movement. You got to be seeing a lot of it because you got to train your eye up and then you got to work through things that work and don't work. You have to have an endless list of cues, strategies, techniques. You only can really get that through hours of training. Yeah. I mean, right now we're at our Campbell location. I just heard our coach Frankie yeah, giving, give some, the go call. giving the go call. <laughs> and, you know, it just goes to show that, you know, when we're coaching and again, you got, you, you got to, if you're the owner, right? Like myself, I, um, I, I need to coach on a regular basis. Now, am I going to coach as much as I used to? Of course not. But at least you know, at least once a week, I should be trying to be coaching in mm-hmm. some way, shape or form to keep the skills there. Cause as you, as you mentioned, you know, similar to a lot of skills, the older I get, and I was trying to teach this to my son and he didn't really get it. You know, he's four. And I was trying to like teach him like a life moment. I was like, Hey son, you know, the more time you put into something, the more you develop it, the, the better you get long-term, like nothing comes up putting in time and reps because you learn these skills. And he's like, he just looks at me and he kept going. (laughs) But point being is like with coaching, it's the exact same thing is that, you know, it's hard to teach somebody how to see and then correct the movement fault if you're not on the floor seeing it. And once you see it once, twice, a hundred thousand, now all of a sudden you start, you know, it's like Malcolm Gladwell, right? Yeah. 10,000 hours. Exactly. And uh, the key to all that is like, you start to see things before they happen. You start yeah. to recognize where Trends. you might need to go and you yeah. understand that concept of triage and you start to identify, all right, well, this athlete's back is rounding out, but what's the root cause there? Like, why might it be rounding out? And at the beginning of your journey, it it doesn't necessarily matter as much, at, at least in my belief, what the root cause of the issue, as long as you can give them something to fix it. But down the road, as you get more reps underneath your belt, you'll start to move through your list of cues much faster and you'll get to the cue that works quicker the majority of the time. Right. So let's talk about some tangible things when it comes to coaching. Mm-hmm. So we have new coaches and you want to get on board and you're a coach and you're trying to get in reps. I mean, do you just like jump into a class? I mean, how does that wow. work? Like, what does our process look like? And then, and and then with coaching, what's the intent behind the coaching? Yeah. 
how does that look like? So I think, you know, different strokes for different folks when it comes to this. And, um, you know, I, I know that there's a lot of successful gyms out there that take people who, you know, don't have a lot of reps underneath their belt and they'll put them right out there on the floor. And, you know, you kind of learn through just trial and error. Yeah, trial yeah. and error. And there, yeah. there's a lot to be said about that, but you know, it really takes a certain, I think, personality to be successful in that kind of environment. You know, for us, like we talked about on a previous episode, we, we have a, um, a programming structure that really sets coaches up for success. Um, it makes it a little bit more of a linear progression, right? right? So if we had somebody who is completely new to the craft of coaching, you know, newly minted level one has not gone through our intern or apprentice process and walked through our doors in day one, they were so outstanding that we needed to hire them and put them on the floor right away, which is not usually the case. Right. We would put them into probably an NC30 environment first where they have limited range of movements that they need to know. The program is more simple. The athletes that they're dealing with, you know, have an understanding that of what they're getting out of that class much more um, precisely. And then we have the NC45, the strength plus the Metcon, and then the NC60, where you have to be prepared for the highest levels of variance and complexity and also low loading, high loading, and everywhere in between. But like I alluded to, you know, we also have these intern and apprentice programs that we take people and we run them through and get them ready to coach within our system. And so what does that look like? I mean, I know we put these out, um, you know, I've shared our documents in the past Mm -hmm. with some owners, but how does the apprentice, so if you're like many gym owners or we've seen it, a lot of times members want to become coaches, right? And the whole like coaching for free thing, that's a whole different conversation, but, um, if a member wants to become a coach, what does our process look like yeah. for that? Or any coach for that matter, what does it look like? So we have a couple of different routes. You can enter the organization. Um, like I said, you could have uh, some background in coaching and you can enter without going through those programs. But as an apprentice, what that means for us is that right now you either don't have your level one or you have your level one, but you have nearly zero experience. And you're just looking for a peek behind the curtain. You want to pick the coach's brain about how, why, when, and what, um, you get to, you know, observe classes from the side, you get to watch the coach and you get to really talk to them for about like 10 to 15 dedicated minutes after class, a couple of times a week to get a better understanding of, Hey, why did you run your warm up that way? You know, why did you scale this athlete? Why did you provide this corrective strategy? And, uh, uh, the best explanation that I can give there is it it gives people greater insight into the craft of coaching to see if it's something that they really want to do. Because a lot of people go coaching is so sexy. It looks so fun. I want to do it, but you don't really fully grasp what people are out there doing on a day-to-day basis. And we also expect apprentices to do some of the completely not sexy stuff that goes on in the gym. You know, Hey, you're going to clean the equipment. You're going to organize the equipment. You're going to fix the equipment. You're going to help organize the front desk. You're going to clean the bathrooms. All those things that all of our coaches do, but nobody really understands that they do. Yeah. And so then from there, assuming they pass through that process, which is a nice gatekeeper for the dedicated to not as dedicated, right? Or yeah. Then they move on to our internship process. Yep. Yep. The internship process, you need to have your level one for and it takes a coach all the way from start to finish of how how we want them to think about the craft of coaching. You know, everything from our core baseline philosophies in stage one to out there during stage five, ours is a five stage process of leading full classes under the observation of um, some of our more, you know, uh, experienced trainers. And then from there, boom, they come on. And so I think, you know, not to overvalue this, but I think it, it, it is is that, you know, in the beginning, when I first got into CrossFit, 
there wasn't that, that much information out there. There wasn't that, that much. I mean, I was blessed to be in the area where we have a lot more information than most people, right? Cause we're in the Bay area, started in Santa Cruz. I got to meet Greg. I got to learn all these different birthplace. things. Birthplace. But, you know, I think there's nothing that did better for me personally than coaching so many classes for so many years, yeah. because then you start to identify trends. You start to look at different things differently and you start to really become like an expert at your craft, but it starts with putting in hours and hours and hours on the floor with, with an intended desire to get better. And I think that's the biggest difference is that you're intending every day. Like when I walk into a class, even today, right. And probably even more so today, just because I don't coach as often. So I kind of go in there. I'm like, <laughs> all right, how am I going to add as much value as yeah. humanly possible to this person's hour? Right. But I believe that over time, if you keep saying that to yourself, hey, how can I add as much value to this person? Then over time, you're trying to get better as a coach because you're trying to add more value, which is just good for everybody. Yeah. No matter, like all the things that we're going to talk about here today, the overarching characteristic of them all is that you care. You actually give a shit about what you're doing. And that greater level of care that Glassman always talks about it's not just caring about your members' health and well-being and asking them about their kids. That's, that's definitely part of it. But it's that you care enough about your job that you're going to go home and you're going to look up the progression and you're going to study it. And you're going to practice it. And you're going to grab your broomstick and you're going to put it in your girlfriend or boyfriend's hand. You're going to be like, all right, I got to teach you this today because tomorrow I have to teach it to the class, right? That is care. That's give a shit right there. Yeah. And that's uncommon. And it's just becoming a professional. You know, to last note on this, I want to move on to the next yeah, one. Yeah, for sure. Is when I was first teaching seminars for HQ, I would film myself doing the the um, the seminar talks, right? Yeah, and I remember like specifically filming myself then even doing like jokes like, hey guys, see that stance? Like, and like, <laughs> looks like, what, you know, little too, like, and I would make a joke and then like look at the camera and be like, ha ha ha. Like, but I'd actually be like talking to the camera oh, trying to get sure. better at the craft so that when I watched it back, it'd be like, oh man, that was really good. That was really bad. But that was because it wasn't because of money. It wasn't for money. It wasn't for fame. It was for this deeper passion to just get better at what I was passionate about, right? And, um, you know, I'd like to think that I saw that same way today. Maybe not as much on a coaching side, more on the business side. But uh, all right, let's dive into number two, uh, Mr. MDV. What's what's the second thing that a coach could do? Um, th this is kind of like the from number one down, not really any sort of like exact list of what's the most important thing. But I think number two for us here today is having a, what's called like a white belt mentality. And, you know, you, you're pretty heavy into BJJ right now. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and what that really means to me is, is coming in every day, expecting to learn something and being open to learning things, no matter how many years you've been coaching, no matter what your title is, no matter if you're the newest guy, the, the most seasoned girl that you expect and you're open to learning from everybody, not only from people who are better than you, you are expecting and want to learn from people who might not have as much experience from you. Um, that's a big one. Yeah. And so, so I know this kind of, kind of goes into another item, mm -hmm. but I mean, what are some ways that our coaches are not only learning from, so let's, let's talk about how they learn from quote a superior. Mm -hmm. And then I want to talk about how they learn from a, you know, someone on their same, and those are bad terms, but so we do, um, regular, uh, coaching, um, evaluations, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. So I, I, yeah, why don't we dive into a little bit more about 
how you could learn from somebody else and then how, you know, cause taking coaches classes, stuff mm-hmm. like that. I know that's a big part of it, right? Yeah. So some of those things are going to come up later in the list, but right. I, I think for me, Jay, like, and this is much more mindset related than anything else. Uh, like okay. it, it, when I'm talking to a coach that doesn't grasp this, it, it's almost a non-starter for me that they can be on our team. Like I, I, it's so important to me that they understand between the ears that they need to walk into the gym every day and they can learn from the person who's interning mm-hmm. that they can pick up something from that person as that person is deconstructing the air squat and not just kind of yeah. be like, Hey, I'm better it's than more this of a guy. Quality tra- this is like a, a, a trait. Like 100%. This- you have to understand that you can learn from everybody. Yeah. And I think, you know, over the years to talk about jujitsu is like you go into jujitsu, you get a little uncomfortable you're getting comfortable with uncomfortable and you're learning, you're developing, you're growing. And I think for any coach who goes into their craft and feels like they've kind of hit this ability where they can no longer absorb information, then they need to either seek out sources where they could feel that way mm. or be more open to it, right? Yeah. To think that you can't learn something from somebody on your team is just, that's, that's, um, that's a sad place to be, you know, yeah, there's so much, and sure. you know, the older I get again, the more I realize that so many people bring different life experiences into their, in their situation. And you might be able to talk to an intern or to somebody and they might not necessarily be able to add value to you about, for example, how to coach an air squat. Maybe you're adding value there, but maybe you could listen to them about a life experience they had that might make you a better coach on the floor where you're now more compassionate. Yeah. You're listening better. You're hearing things a little bit differently. And so I think, to summarize point number two, and this is a quick one, just be using that white belt mentality is absorbing information from everybody, not just somebody who you think is going to maybe get you to where you want to be or whatever. Cause you never know this information might come from a lot of different directions. Yeah. Once you think, you know, everything, you know, nothing like yeah. that's it for me. Like if you say that I know everything, I have nothing to learn at this point. I, I really don't have, I, I, I would be hesitant to have that person on our team. Yeah. You got to want to learn and you got to know that you can learn from everybody. I mean, think about this. I mean, I've been doing CrossFit and training style for 12 years. I've met with some of the, I mean, I've met with so many different experts and there's always something you could pick up. Like even two days ago, we did a new rope climb progression and like here we are 12 years down the line. So there's there's always something there. So what's number three? Point number three is, uh, Feedback and evaluation and self-evaluation. And, okay. And, and Which, this one is, is a big one. I think, you know, for us in this organization, we've really worked a lot to establish what is what we call a culture of feedback where it's okay for coaches to share with one another positive things that have happened on the floor, constructive places that they can get better when they're on the floor. And that sharing between coaches is really, really important to have a third party perspective on somebody who's watched your class, who's giving you meaningful feedback and helping you get better. So we've talked about this briefly in the past, but let's dive a little bit deeper into it. How do we as an organization, Mm -hmm. right, do this? Now, the way our our company is set up is that you um, are like the, quote, director of this training program that we have, right, Mm -hmm. coaching. And then underneath you is head coaches coaches Mm -hmm. at all of our different locations. And then they have coaches, you know, and uh, different people. So how does that process look like? And then how does it relate to a a gym owner with a single location? They're the head coach. For sure. Right? Yeah. How does that relate? So I kind of look at it as um, two sides of the equation. We have uh, formal feedback opportunities on one side, and then we have informal feedback opportunities. And overarching over both of those things is culture for us and, and making it, like I said before, 
it's understood and accepted that feedback is part of who we are. So like you were saying, on the formal side of the equation, I, I kind of oversee the head coaches. The head coaches have their teams. And we have formal feedback opportunities for our coaches where the head coaches will observe and give feedback to their coaches on their team, where we have a formal feedback form where we're literally evaluating from minute zero to minute does that 60. Uh, for us, it's twice a year. We're going to move into twice a year for our coaches. Um, some coaches may be less, some coaches a little bit more. Um, and, and to be honest, we're kind of figuring out what the right amount of feedback is there. Because formal feedback can be really overwhelming for yeah. people. And if you give somebody too much feedback or you time it wrong or you're too harsh with it, it feedback's an art. And we're really right now training our head coaches and training our entire staff up on what it means to uh, give and accept feedback. Um, so... You know, I've done a lot of observing and feedback of all coaches across our entire organization. Our head coaches have gotten involved in it, but moving forward, we will do it twice a year. Um, once uh, in, you know, quarter one, quarter two, once in quarter three, quarter four. Um, we also have, like I said, uh, head coaches that I will observe and I give those guys feedback on their coaching. And whenever I take the floor and, and there's a coach who's in our in my class, I always ask them for feedback. So, um on the informal side, it, it's much more day-to-day, um, hand-to-hand. We're really looking for people to be sharing almost all the time. Like I, I, I want coaches to be talking about the craft. I want to be, them to be thinking about it. I want them to take each other's classes, and we'll talk about that later on, why that's important. Um, but the, for, the informal stuff needs to happen all the time, so much more often than the formal stuff. The formal stuff doesn't matter, in my opinion, in a lot of, a lot of ways, because if the informal stuff isn't happening, the formal stuff is just a formality. Yeah, and if they aren't as comfortable to give that, and I think something that we've done over the past, last you know, couple of years, much better than the past, I think, was adding in this kind of like this veil um, of it being okay to just talk about coaching, like to talk about, hey, like I – like. Like, hey, I, I watched your I watched your progression. I watched the way you coached. I think that your intro took a little bit too long, you know. Yeah. But I really like the way you do, you know. And I think making it okay, where because what happens is, and I'm sure a lot of coaches feel the same way, is that when they're providing feedback to other people, sometimes, for example, it, it isn't received as well. They, they have great intention, yeah. right? Like I always like to think that I have great intention when I'm sharing information, but sometimes people don't take it like I'm I'm sharing with good intent. And, and whether that's the way they're looking at it or the way I share it or whatever, I think it takes time to get to a place where the culture of the company, and, and again, we're not exactly where we want to be, we're getting there, is in a place where it's okay. Yeah. And that people are like, oh yeah, all good. Like, you know what I mean? Giving and receiving feedback uh, takes a tremendous amount of trust. And it's always got to come from a place of care. The reason that we're sharing this stuff is not to say that I'm better than you. It's not to put you down. It's not to make you feel like you did a shitty job. It's because I want to make you better, and in turn, you want to make me better. Because then, if we're if we're all getting better, the product on the floor for all of our members gets better, right? Yeah. So, you know, with with feedback, it really is a, it, it's an art. Um, you know, you have to think about you know what stage of the journey that coach is in what your relationship is with the coach what the timing is when you're actually going to sit them down and talk to them about what you want to talk to them about um you know and and then there's also like when we're giving feedback uh, i'm always advising our our leaders to give feedback based on 
What are a couple of things you did really well in that class? Yeah, highlight the things that that person did well. What are a couple of things that that person maybe didn't do so well or they could have done better, right? right. And then last would be like, all right, what are those action steps that that coach can now take to improve upon their coaching next time they take the floor? So now let's just say you're at a gym and you don't have somebody who's providing you feedback. What could you do there? Oof, that's a really tough one. Um, you know, you could, if you have, uh, <laughs> if you're really secure in who you are, um, you can, you know, obviously go up to uh, some members who you trust, who have been with you for a long time, uh, or even members who like, who just joined be like, Hey, like, what did you think of class today? Um, you know, you could ask other trainers from other gyms locally to come take your classes. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff that you can do. Yeah. You can video, Fil video. filming yourself. I mean, I think filming yourself, you, you can really to do that. I mean, I'll tell you the biggest thing that I think someone could just look at it is if they start crossing their arms or maybe they found themselves like, you know, getting distracted and you watch on camera like, dude, that does not look right. That, yeah. But that wasn't my intent. It just doesn't look right. Yeah. Ultimately, I think <clears throat> I really love this concept of uh, when we get down to brass tacks with feedback, would you want to take your own class? Yeah. That's, to me, a really, really important question that coaches need to ask themselves. And I borrowed that from, uh, you know, Denise Thomas and Austin Maliolo. Those guys say that a lot over at Reebok CrossFit One. Would you want to take your own class? I don't think a lot of coaches actually, when they peel the layers back, would actually want to be a member in their own class. Yeah. And then, yes. And then I would ask myself the question <laughs> of, is the person who's taking your class, how many people align with your vision of a class? Yeah. Because if you're extremely aggressive, whatever... I mean, is that hitting your demographic? I don't know. And yeah. that's a whole different conversation. But For sure. point being, when it comes to feedback, identify people in your space you trust, create this layer of trust, potentially film yourself. But at the end of the day, that's another way to get better as a coach. Yeah. Number four. Number four is take other coaches' classes. Well, I got to tell you right now, it is a 1020. We have a 12 o'clock class and I'm going to be jumping in. Um, now, I think this is super important, super, super important. Yeah. We test our own programming ahead of time. I do a lot of tests because I want to see how it's going to provide, you know, shape out. But I also personally believe it's important to take classes and, um, it can be hard as the owner, as the manager of a location to the class, because your brain is thinking about, oh, this could be better. This could be better. But you just got to take a step back yeah. for a second and just become one with the class and vibe and have fun. and. At the end, if there are certain things you need to take care of, that's fine. But I think taking coaches' classes is so valuable because for a number of reasons, I'm sure you'll add more of this. One is if you're the owner or the manager and you take the other coach's class, it's showing that whatever you tell me to do, right? Like, I mean, I've taken your class a number of times. If you tell me to do whatever, I'm just going to do it. Like, yeah. And that's, that's nice for two reasons. One is it shows that I'm not... Like this, um, this idea of like superior inferior, this idea of like on the same playing field or taking direction both ways yeah. is a nice way. And it also allows me as a, as a human being to take a step back for a second in my own fitness journey and just, just let it ride. You know, I think as coaches, sometimes we put so much pressure on ourselves to deliver a great class and that our fitness, you know, we train on our own, trying to get our own programming in. But sometimes it gets, you know, just you're constantly being asked about fitness. You're constantly in the space. Sometimes it's nice just to just let somebody else tell you what to do. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. There's a lot of auxiliary benefits to this. Like 
your community will love the fact oh, yeah. that you step into class. They they eat it up. They love it. They love working out next to you. Your other coach, your coach that is on the floor. If you're doing like what they say, if you're being the model member during class, which you should be, it gives the members around you that vote of confidence that like, oh yeah, I'm going to listen to, you know, coach Sally too, because MDV is listening, right? That's really great stuff. This can go horribly, horribly wrong though. And I'm going to put the little caveat on this. If you are a coach who's taking another coach's class and you're acting like a shithead during class, that's the worst thing that so you what, can do. So what does it mean to act like a, like a <laughs> duty <Sorry>. head? <laughs> what, is, what does that mean? If you, so let's say you hop into class. Yep. And you just start doing your own damn thing. And you are not listening to the coach. You, the coach is telling us, hey, we're going to run through the Bergner progression today. We're going to use the PVC pipe. Let's just use that as an example. And you're like, nah, you know what? I'm going to grab the barbell right away. Or mm-hmm. I'm going to go actually go, I'm going to put 135 on the bar. And I'm just going to start power snatching it because I, I already, I know where I need to be. Check yourself. Really, because at that point, what you have now done is you pulled the plug on the class for the coach and for everybody else in that class, and now you've hijacked it and you're doing your own thing. And if that's what you want, work out by yourself, right. for real. Work right. out by yourself. Be the model member when you're in class. You, you will add so much more value that way. The other cool part about taking coaches' classes is that you're going to start to realize the really amazing things that that coach does. And you're going to also realize the stuff that that coach does that might not land as well for you or the members around you, right? Let's say that coach for some reason got distracted during class or that coach's intro ran really long and they were talking for a super long time. Yeah. You're going to start to like innately yep. feel that you're yep. like, this is awkward. You're picking right up now. the energy like, oh man, there's a lot of people kind of shifting around. This guy's taking 15 minutes to intro the class. And then you can share that feedback later on, yeah, I imagine. For sure. Yeah. I would. I would say that unless it's a um, a teaching situation, like unless it's somebody in the class uh, and and you're guiding them through a feedback type of situation, and it's immediate, you want to give it to them right then. You should wait if you're a member of the class at that point to give them feedback later on. Right. Unless it needs like a safety issue right away, you should say something. Yeah, and I think as 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 part of being a a coach in a class, which I do regularly, I also need to at times turn off my coaching hat. When I see, you know, let's just see, I, let's just say I see a, um, you know, a movement fall or whatever. I might go over there. I might say something really briefly, very, very quickly. If, if the coach is on the other side of the room, right. But for the most part, I like to let the coach coach, mm-hmm. especially the class is manageable. Now, all of a sudden, let me, let me add another layer to that. If, for example, I jumped into one of your classes or hypothetically, whatever, and I saw 25 people show up for the class. I would no longer be in your class. I would now assist you in the yeah, class. That, it would just be a different dynamic, right? Yeah. That's, Which is rare. That's great. That, that That's having awareness to help me out at that point. Yeah. Because having two trainers on the floor for a 25-person class obviously is easier to manage when I have a secondary who can help me out with group management and stuff like that. Yeah. Just really quickly, if you're a coach in a class and, and you're seeing movement that is you know going awry, right, and you think that you can have an opportunity to give feedback, that can be that can be tough too because you don't know what the lead trainer is working with on that person. So for sure, usually the the path that I try to follow there is I if I if I see it, I go over to the athlete and say, "Hey, what does Jason have you working on today with your squat?" And if he's like, "Oh, you know what? Like Jason didn't have time to come over just yet," or he has me working on you know sending my butt back. Awesome. You know what I was seeing as well was your knees were really caving in there. Just be a little bit more mindful. Press your knees out as the butt goes back. 
Yeah. That way you're not hijacking that athlete right. or undermining what they're exactly. saying. Exactly. Yeah. And that, that's a very tough line. I think you got to feel it out. Right. And I think obviously if you see some type of horrendous movement that needs to be addressed, but for the most part, if it's little, you know, there, I like the way you're saying, Hey, what is, what does coach have you working on? Yeah. And, and, and then go from there. Um, being the model member, I think is key. Now, if you're in an area where you can't take other coaches classes, cause you're a single operator, mm-hmm. which, you know, I want to find some coaches. Um, the recommendation I'd have is go around and take other people's classes and not just at CrossFit gyms, but at other functional training centers like Orange Theory, like, you know, F45, like Barry's Bootcamp, yeah. like yoga. And you could pick up certain coaching techniques from different people. And, it, you know what I mean? There's market nothing wrong research. with that. It's market out. research and it's a great way to, hey, man, I really like what that guy did. Or you might say, hey, that guy's class was shit. And, and then maybe it just makes you even more confident what you're providing down the street. Yeah. You, Who knows? Or you know, or what you think might be good. All of a sudden, he does, you don't think what they're doing is good, but they have packed classes and you don't have anybody coming in. Maybe there's something there you got you to gotta dive deeper. Yeah. If you picked up one thing that would make your classes better or one thing that you go, oh, I never want to do that. It was worth the $20 drop in at that point, right? It has to be. Yeah. I'm I, even thirty dollars. <laughs> yeah. So um, let's dive into uh, number last five. One. Yeah. Uh, the last one is is pursue a, a diverse education. Pursue a diverse education, and and that to me means you know obviously going out there and looking at all the amazing courses that CrossFit has to offer and all the little courses that they have on their online offering right now. There's a lot of really amazing education there, but there's an endless amount of content, videos, free that you can look up. You know, from everybody out there, from from us, from Marcus Philly, from you know every everybody out yeah. there in the world. Yeah, has sorry, con- Mark yeah. Bell, OPT. I mean, you name it. There's just there's thousands. I mean, there, there's if you are open to it, if you have an open mind, there's a lot of really great information. Now, vet. I mean, it's kind of like when I was in um, high school, and I'm sure this probably happened to you too. In high school, you know, they'd require. This is when the internet was like kind of you know just kind of getting on his thing. Ages me a little bit, um, <laughs> but you know, I remember for every book report I did or for every like report I did on some subject, it would have to be X amount of resources from a book and then X amount of resources from a digital source. Yeah. Cause at the time there wasn't as much, you know, digital source was kind of like kind of new. Right. Yeah. And I would use that same analogy for fitness where when you're, when you're looking for information, understand better who's providing it and what lens they're sending it from and what is their background. Yeah. Right. When we're talking about coaching, we're sitting here and we're not saying there, there's probably other people out there who have more coaches, Oh yeah, for sure. but we have more coaches in most gyms in the world and we've been doing it for a really long time. And so I feel comfortable saying these are five steps that we believe in because of our background with the, you know, over a hundred something coaches in many different countries. I feel like we've gotten a lot of feedback that we can then share with other people. That being said, when someone's looking at these five steps, if we had, you know, one location with one coach, are they still valuable? Sure. But maybe just our perspective is different and they need to be able to evaluate who's giving the information, how credible is it, and how should I absorb it in that sense? Yeah. Five steps, 10 steps, 15 steps. There's whatever the number of steps, right? You could have done seven. And this is, yeah. <laughs> this is all through trial and error, man. Yeah. Like everybody starts out as a crappy coach. You just do. And then you go out there and you coach a little bit more and you, you know, you take more classes, you get feedback, you start reading more literature and you slowly go from crappy to okay to good 
to really good to wherever you your journey might take you, right? There's so much stuff out there. There's so much stuff that you can read that not even fitness involved, but like yeah. mindset. Nutri- nutrition, mindset. Nutri- exactly. If you dedicate an hour. Be open to it. Yeah. I mean, if you dedicate, you know, a couple hours a week to ab- abs- absorbing information, you know, I assure you, I mean, that's why podcasts, that's why eBooks, that's why, you know, YouTube is, is gr- so big is because consuming information just makes you feel better about where you're going and what you're doing. Yeah. And if you're not doing so, I, I think it's a shame. And I think if you're just sticking with strength conditioning, that's fine, but I'd recommend to get outside that. Like, for example, the amount of jujitsu I've been doing has really, I believe, helped my ability to coach CrossFit and has helped my ability to be an athlete in CrossFit. Like, I wish I had done it earlier because I've learned how to move my body in a different way. And by absorbing this information, I've found that it's taught me to, to be more compassionate to a newer athlete that comes in. You know, back in the day, you know, I, I always believe this, and I, I believe this more than ever now, is that it's the coach's responsibility to deliver information in a way that allows the athlete to move better. And when you start getting upset that they're not moving the way you want, I would put the onus back on you that oh, you're yeah. not delivering the information. It's not their fault. It's not their fault. It's your fault. And I, I, I think by trying something new like jujitsu, I've learned like, okay, I'm doing this. I'm trying, but don't get frustrated with me because I'm trying, right? Yeah. You just need to deliver the information a little bit better because I'm, I'm lost right now. Yep. And I think that by getting outside our comfort zone, that allows us to kind of be, to open a whole new area in our brain that is, is really, really cool. Yeah. That's a, I mean, that's an amazing, amazing point. The, the method of communication that you use with your athletes, it's going to be different for different people. And if you're putting down something that somebody's not getting, let's just take, for example, knees caving in, right? And if you're telling them, press their knees out and they don't get it, it's not their fault that they don't get yep. it. It's your fault for not yep. having multiple cues to help them along that journey. And if journey. you get frustrated, then you look even oh, worse. Man. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, you know, I, I love talking about this stuff. I think that this is really an important topic. I think that you know, a lot of coaches think that they have to get better just by just by doing seminars and I need the L2, L3, L4. And those things are freaking great. And, you know, I want to get my L4. But here's the deal. You can get better right now, you know, today. You can learn from somebody. You can change your mindset. You can read something. You can watch something that will make you a better coach right now. Don't just wait to spend the money or to go to the seminar. Do it right now. You you won't regret that. Yeah, and it's, a lot of this content is free. Yeah, like we just shared, and I think so, guys. I get emails every single day. I want to own a business. I want to be a great, a better coach. First steps are just following the list. Start getting reps in on whatever you want to do. If you want to own a gym, right? Well, then you need to go and learn from an owner because there's a lot more to a business than what meets the eye, right? If you want to be a better coach, start coaching, right? Obviously, we talked about number two, like this this kind of like this white belt mentality of kind of never being too cool to learn something new, yeah. you know? Um, you know, you spoke about asking for feedback and providing feedback. And that the first step to that is obviously getting to a place where you have enough trust throughout your organization. If you don't have an organization, go out there and go find somebody else. Go find a friend and go coach them. There's always somebody in your garage that you can help you mm-hmm. with, right? Talk about taking other coaches' classes. I think that's a no-brainer. I think there's very little negative that could come from that unless you're being a jerk and showing up <laughs> yeah. late and whatever. And then finally, right, you're pursuing a diverse education. I think the key there is diverse, yep. right? Singular focus when you might be on, you know, coaching product, but this diversity allows you to provide that singular product better. Right? For sure. So guys, um, thank you, MDV, for diving into this. Um, Always. We're going to go uh, take some classes. I hope everybody has a great day. If um, 
If you haven't checked out the NC Fit Collective, make sure you do for session plans, programming, and all kinds of tools that we put out. And uh, other than that, I hope you guys have a great day and keep uh, rising the tides. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. All right, bro. Thank you.